Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights, brought to you by 11FS. Today, we're going to talk about financial literacy in children and the brewing world of innovation in pocket money apps. I'm Ross Gallagher, and I'm joined today by some awesome people who are involved in the space, as well as my colleague and co-host, Adam Davis. Ad, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Really well. Great to be here. Excellent. And as ever, it's not just myself and Ad. We have some amazing guests, uh, including Louise Hill, COO of GoHenry. Welcome to the show, Louise. Hi, Ross. Nice to be here. Great to have you. And Will Carmichael, the CEO of Rooster Money. Welcome, Will. Hi, Ross. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Great. Welcome to the show. All right. So um, pocket money apps. This is, I think, at the moment, something that's on a lot of people's tongues. So I guess to start off, let's sort of define the problem space a little bit. So I guess um, we have seen a move towards digital away from sort of the, I guess, the physical piggy banks. And I think an emphasis on probably teaching good behavioral habits, spending habits amongst kids, saving habits, etc. But I suppose up until now in the advent of the likes of, um, you know, the apps that, 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 that we're talking about, there really hasn't been very much. I mean, um, the propositions on offer from, you know, the big banks haven't changed very much. They've been relatively limited, at least from a functionality perspective. And it seems that you guys are answering or delivering against some core jobs. Um, yeah. Yes, Let's I, talk I, about that. absolutely. I mean, um, Go Henry came about absolutely from uh, a need identified by me and a couple of friends as parents, mm-hmm. and I think Will will probably agree the same was true for Rooster Money. Um, as I was uh, <laughs> literally standing at the side of a football pitch, um, it's almost nine years ago now. Uh, my friends and I were bemoaning the fact that we'd given all of our kids access to our iTunes accounts and they were merrily downloading songs <laughs> and had no clue that they were spending money. And come come Saturday morning, I was standing there as the bad guy going, hey, so normally I'd give you five pounds, but actually today you're going to get 63p because you've spent the rest and little sad faces in front of me. There was nothing out there. And we started talking about that and, and looking for ways that we could fill that gap. And it is a core gap, isn't it? Because you don't, as a kid in that situation, necessarily have the link between downloading something on iTunes and actually then the money, of course, going out on the back end. Exactly. I was actually printing out the invoices that iTunes used to email to you in those days and sticking them on the fridge so that I could kind of prove to the kids that they'd done they'd done the download and um, that just seemed all wrong to me and and and, and, and abstract from the percept- perception it, it's pers- totally abstract yeah. I mean kids kids have been left behind the 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 high street banks aren't answering that need money has moved largely into the digital space uh, we're not cashless yet, but society is heading that way. And kids were simply not being taught how to use those tools. You know, they. Yeah, and I, I think sort of add to that, I think technology can be a massive enabler. Pocket money, traditional vehicle, how do you start engaging your kids with the values of earning, saving, all those sorts of things? Well, actually, you know, parents were busy right you, yeah. you need prods and help and and if you can get you know if instagram can get you to open it nine times a day well you can use an app to build those positive habits early on and 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 take that jam jar 
and take it on the school run with you and take it into shops, take it on holiday, all those sorts of things. Okay, so what's um, the approach, I guess, from a almost like a behavioral design perspective in terms of how we're actually educating kids, how we're building those behaviors? What's the approach? So if you start with the fundamentals that that all the research shows, you need to start early having conversations about money and actually both as adults and kids it's the conversation that really matters and it's having a positive one. So a lot of people will cite the first time that I really talked about money was when I bought somewhere with my partner, when I got married, you know, when suddenly just earning my salary, you know, impacts other people. Um, but particularly, the, you know, the British, but it, it's a taboo across many cultures. Certainly that's what we find is, is having those conversations. So if you can start having those conversations early on, if you can start using prods to it do normalizes that, it you start away, right? it, yeah. And, and that can be as simple as a push notification on a Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah that's all you do. You don't actually need the kids to log in. That's the beauty of it. And the so. age the, the age range at the moment that a lot of the, uh, the apps that currently service this need are starting from is kind of like eight years old and then going up. Is, is that like, I, I suppose from a... Um, behavioral science perspective or research maybe the government has, has produced something that sort of advocates that w why start at eight why not start higher or lower we actually started aged eight but then lowered the age to six because we were getting so much so many requests from our customers to to lower the age i think probably the most comprehensive piece of research was done by cambridge university about uh, four or five years ago and showing that real money lessons start to be learned and behavior starts to be shaped from the age of five, six upwards. And that sounds incredibly early. But actually, learning that money is finite and that when you spend it, it disappears and there isn't this magic pot that they might think exists behind that cash machine in the wall that they see us getting money out of um, regularly. Uh, it's a really important point to put across and it's a really important life skill to to start to build it's crazy my kid's three years old if you told me that in two years he's going to have an app that he could relatively interact with uh which would start teaching him about money i'd just be like i'd be blown away I'd be like, Whoa. And, and so this is something i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna pick out as well is this is almost invaluable i mean we've spent a lot of time already talking about the kids but from the parents perspective this is huge and i guess you have to take it back a generation and realize that the parents themselves went through the same process when they were learning about money they don't necessarily have the skills that we're talking about to pass on to the kids um will to your point we're not getting it in schools um and i think the banks have not filled that gap either so i'm not surprised at the uptake for you know, Rooster Money, for Go Henry, for other apps in that similar vein has been so huge because it makes sense from a parental perspective. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, interesting. So we have families with kids as young as three or four on our app. You can use us like a star chart. So if you take the concepts, you earn stars yeah. and you can redeem mm -hmm. them. And you as a parent can set whatever currency exchange you like for whatever they want, which is, you know, a nice touch. But Bitcoin? But Sorry. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, I was just wondering if you've introduced crypto into that, but probably not yet for, for, for another pod. I think we're, well, ta I think we're talking about we've just good. Jumped. Yeah. We're trying to talk about good financial ah, Volatility, volatility is definitely yeah, yeah, a lesson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think, yeah, to your point, like, you're not going to use a bank account with a four-year-old um, or even a five-year-old, but what you do want to do is start having those conversations. And, and then you combine education with the practicalities of parenting. So 
you may have been through that situation when you're in a supermarket. They really want the magazine with the plastic toy on the front. You really don't want them to get it because you know they're not really going to read it. Well, that's where you can flip it on them. And rather having an argument about it, you can say, okay, how much pocket money have you got? I can check that now. Do you really want to get that? And you've suddenly empowered them to make the decision. We, we hear time and time again from our customers the, the behavioral change that happens over the first few weeks of, of using the app, where exactly that, that situation in the supermarket where a child's gone in, determined that they're going to buy some shiny plastic thing. And when the question is asked, do you have enough money on your card? They look on their card or they look in their app to see, see what uh, they've, got, they've got available and suddenly it's not quite as important anymore because they well, it's realize... It's an entirely different conversation, yeah, it, isn't it's, it? And yes, and, and I think also it stops the parents being the bad guy. You know, I, I said I felt like the bad guy on a Saturday morning going, hey, you've only got 63p this week. Likewise, when, the, when you're out shopping with your children and they're saying, can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have, the parent is put in that position of having to say, no, no, no. Well, as Will said, if the if the conversation is, well, how much money have you got yeah. available? And, and being able being it's able to decision. flip the conversation at that point, yeah. rather than after the fact when it's already too late and they feel like they're getting punished for something that, that actually they didn't actually have a whole lot of control over, right? Yeah, and and it's it's no more arguments about who's got what. You you didn't pay me last week, um, all those sorts of things. And going back to those conversations, it, it's like any of us with our bank accounts now. It's it's bringing you as close as possible to the numbers because, you know, from a financial wellness point of view, everyone says that's the major thing. If you feel too abstracted away from your finances, then that's where the problem starts. And, and it's the same with kids, you know, how much you've got. And then you can have that conversation going, okay, do you want to get it? Yeah, we'll, we'll get it for you. That's, that's fine. For, for, a great, a great story. Um, my poor daughter, I use her so often as example. She's, she's, uh, I don't think she's ever going to get used to it. But when she was probably about 14, she disappeared off into town uh, with her friends, um, complete with her, go Henry with her, and um, went into a well-known high street chemist. I won't, I won't name names. Found a sale bin at the end of one of the gondolas with nail varnishes in it for 50 pence. And she came home, and I am not kidding, with 16 bottles of nail varnish. <laughs> Absolutely delighted. The two of them had had an absolute ball in town, came home. What a great day. Yeah, she had, she'd had <laughs> a great day. She lined varnish. them all yeah. up. The next day, she was in tears. Yeah. Because she'd spent that money, and now she didn't have enough money to do something else. And she regretted her purchase. And actually, that's a really good lesson. She had the scope to make that decision herself. It was within the boundaries that we'd set for her um, spending. And she made a mistake in her eyes. And uh, she's not done that again since. But she has a lot of nail varnish. <laughs> she's still working her way through, I'm sure. Probably. So uh, off the back of that, because this is an interesting one, when I've ever looked at these propositions, I still... Uh, I I think it's kind of 50-50, but you guys can validate it. Do you build your proposition and your product for parents or for children or for both? And if so, like how have you set up your product teams to be able to, to I guess, to match both of those demands? Because that's like from a jobs perspective, yeah. um, getting your mind around doing uh, what we would employ as jobs to be done, the customer research that we mm -hmm. do uh, pretty routinely, to do that on children plus parents and then meshing the two together to produce one, you know, one feature list, that's hard, like really hard. 
We certainly talk about not having two audiences. I don't think we've got children and parents. We've got six to eight-year-olds. We've got eight to 12-year-olds. We've got 12 to 17-year-olds. And we've got the parents. And actually, the product is different for for Each order. one of those right. audiences, and it, and it has to be, you know, it's serving a serving a purpose for the parents, but it also has to speak to each of those um, age groups, if it's if it's going to be meaningful and work. And that, and I think yes, you can use. So we do a lot of qualitative research around it, and getting families into rooms, seeing the dynamics, then taking the parents out, or um, actually putting a spread of ages. Um, kids in one room is really interesting. So we've done that all the way up to 18. Mm. You start pulling out commonalities. Um, everything's aspirational, right? So every eight-year-old wants to be 14. Every 14-year-old sure. yeah. wants to. So yeah, yeah. It, it's being mindful of all of those things and the progression that you build around the proposition too. But comes down to things, how you collect feedback. So data privacy, massively important, how you yeah, engage sure. with children, really important, specifically trained customer ops teams to deal with that. It's much easier to get the view of a parent and they will be much more direct about it in many ways than, than the kids. So you have to think about how do we do those channels? How do we get the feedback so we don't get a bias? Do you, during, uh, during the running of the app, do you get a lot of kids interacting with you, asking you to, to sort out problems? So from a customer support perspective, is it, again, is it kind of split parents, children, or is it more weighted on one and the other? Certainly in our experience, the bias is towards parents. Um, certainly also that, that site, we operate where well, we have 51 currencies being used in our app. Right. So wow. um, our primary markets are US, UK, Australia. Um, but within each of those, they have different privacy laws and also how you interact mm. with kids. So, you know, if you get a communication from children in the US, you have to delete all those communications immediately. Right. There are very clear stipulations yeah. around that. And that, again, affects the flow. And we haven't got it right yet. You know, we, it's something we're working hard on. Um, but it must change, like, like the, the pace of change of your products must, because it's like it, something that I don't think anyone else who's, who's tackling a financial services product, I can imagine, has to think ahead as much as you guys. And probably... Uh, from a customer research perspective, probably has to process as much data and, and, and think about trends as much as you guys, because as you just mentioned, that's like five customer groups, mm -hmm. but like they're, what they want is changing, like like the weather. I mean, that's just crazy. So how do you keep it that flexible? And I, I, I'm just going to add a point to that. I think one of the things I've certainly talked to some of our key banking suppliers about is we're actually bringing through the next generation of consumers. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, and, and yeah, I think the, this, these type of apps, we have all kinds of knowledge about how these young people behave, um, how they interact with money, uh, what their preferred communication channels are. And all of that is incredibly relevant to um, – Banking providers yeah. to retailers. Yeah, well, to it really is, and I think I think um, building on your point as well, Louise, is um, you're developing a generation of um, consumers and, and banking customers that are more sophisticated, have a better understanding of money, of their finances, and then how's that going to? Um, what's the knock knock how on effect that of that out? in terms of designing financial products I can for give the you, next generation? I can give you a, a, a live example. I'm, I'm, Sorry, Isabella, I'm using you again as an example. Yeah. 
she hit 18. We're going to need Isabella um, to sign a waiver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we might need to. Um, she hit 18. I have two children, by the way. Um, she hit 18 two years ago. She's 20 now. And um, was still using her Go Henry card, but want, was working full time, wanted a uh, full bank account. I assumed naively that the uh, telephone bank that I'd been using for, well, since they launched as uh, one of the first customers, would take her on as a customer. They wouldn't because they couldn't KYC her. They couldn't identify her because um, guess what? She's 18. She was living at home. She had yeah, a passport, sure. but not yeah, much yeah, yeah. else. Didn't have a landline telephone. Why would you no, of at 18? Um, and we managed to dredge up an old um, high street bank account, savings account that I think she'd had when she was about three and somebody gave us some money. So we opened that for her. She was given a digital banking app. And I so wish I had recorded her. I so wish I'd videoed her. She went absolutely nuts. Um, one morning, overhearing her ranting about something, I listened in. She'd got logged onto her digital banking, checked her bank balance. It was it was a Monday morning, early Monday morning. Checked her bank balance to make sure she'd got enough for her Spotify subscription in there. It said she had. Um, guess what? Her Spotify subscription bounced. She knows fine well that um, if they'd been providing real-time banking yes. information, yeah. which so this is exactly we it. do, yeah. that wouldn't have happened. She was furious. And I realized what an idiot as a parent for suggesting she used the, the high street bank account. We moved her over to one of the challenger banks, or she, mm. sorry, she moved herself over to one of the challenger and of course, banks. They were she able to KYC her. They can KYC her. They real, can give her real-time real payment processing. Yeah. She can set up her savings pots. She's totally familiar with how all of that works. And this is so. This is this is the fascinating point. It's 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 how jobs evolve over time as you hit one job. So you know if um, if I'm using a ridiculously complex spreadsheet to try and manage my money, then my core job might be well, help me manage my money in a way that's easier. Um, you know, like we said, it's real time. And then when you give me that, well, then actually does that job evolve into, well, actually help me invest my money, help me make my money yeah. go further, help me make my money. More make than money. that, do you see that, though, as, I guess, the natural succession? So if you've been brought up and trained on uh, these apps, so Go Henry, Rooster Money and others, do you see the natural progression when you hit, let's say, 18-year-old to be handed over to a challenger, as in given the current suite of services that challengers can provide? I, th I think the expectation is totally different from the 18 year old of 20 years five ago. years ago even. five years ago you know i was i was talking to um i was telling the backstory of, of go henry to a group of people a couple of weeks ago and i said it all came about because basically all of our children had had ipods for christmas yeah and i went oh my god ipods yeah what are they yeah i had an that, ipod so did i, I did at one point that as was well. you know but but now actually, looking back at it, bad machine. Looking no, back but we, we've also touched um, within that on another interesting point, which is, you know, we're sort of, I guess, building the next generation of more sophisticated, financially savvy consumers. You'd have to expect, and I think we've seen it with Isabella in action, that these, can, these uh, banking customers are also going to be more likely to switch if they're not happy. And so what, what, what's the sort of knock-on implication of that? Yeah, I think, so we say as our remit at Roost Money that we want to take kids from their first steps in understanding the value of money to their first bank account. And we're kind of focused perhaps on, you know, personal philosophy is to try and get them in earlier than that. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of 
14, 15, 16, get them into a, a bank account. And I think that's a big opportunity, you know, there. The, the big thing is that we want to create demanding customers who have confidence in what they want. And I know I was, I went to a financial literacy, um, kind of conference and the speaker before me stood up and said, do you know what? We don't really need financial education because all these apps of the future, all these banks of the future, it'll all be done on autopilot. They'll tell you how much to save. They'll tell you what's coming up. You won't need to make those decisions. They'll tell you, okay, what are your life goals? This is where we'll send you. And so we're, we're hanging every, we're hanging everything on on machine learning. Yeah, well, it's, that's yeah, it's like, yeah. And, and, and come on, machine learning. I've got my fingers crossed. If you can't see it. Yeah, who's programming the machine learning? Exactly. And it, it's like GPS, isn't it? You, yeah. you can drive yeah. somewhere on GPS, yeah. and then you, your phone runs out of battery or whatever, but or, anyway, or GPS stops working. How do you get back? The last and, thing we want to do is create the next generation of zombies that are just taking for granted <laughs> that machine learning will do everything, so I don't need to know anything. That um, creates a dangerous precedent. Financial literacy gives kids, it and it, it is kids, it gives them the life skills mm to do better in life yeah. you know if 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 kids launch um out the end of kiddom i'm making up words now but if they if they reach 18 again i've watched it with both my kids my son is now also gone over 18 i've watched it with both of them they start getting bombed with very sophisticated advertising from loan companies from credit card companies from student loan companies from it, it, it's how do they even begin to know how to cope with that if we haven't prepared them? Mm. And, um, you know, I'm often asked, should the schools be doing it? Well, I'm a governor at the school. I've been a governor at the local secondary school for eight, nine years. And they have a huge amount of information and skills that they have to deliver to kids. Mm -hmm. It's great. In 2012, um, financial literacy was put into the curriculum for secondary schools. But that is only one part of it. And, and parents have a huge part to play in that. You know, Will has talked about triggering conversations about money in the home. That's the place to start it. Mm. And these kind of apps, it helps trigger those conversations. It helps give a framework to use them. And it gives a safe, puts safe boundaries around how children learn about money with their parents. Yeah, and, and sort of just taking what you said, Louise, that two other kind of points. I, I firmly believe you don't teach children to look and be, and be careful when crossing the road in a classroom. You take them to the side of the road yeah. and you ask them to look both ways. And it's exactly the same with money. We all learn and, and probably everyone, you know, from our generation has learned by doing and we've learned by mistakes and all those sorts of things. But it has to be contextual. The home is a huge environment to do that. And parents are a great vehicle. And, and talking about different age groups, if you look under the age of eight, children tend to still listen to what their parents say on the whole, and those tend to be the most influenced. Then you get the change. So you change from wanting a pair of trainers to a pair of night trainers. You, you change what you want. You start listening to more of your peers. But it's a massive opportunity at that younger age group to have the conversations, make it part of the practical every day. When you go on holiday, you can start talking about currencies, all those sorts of things that is, is abstracted in the classroom. And so I, I think that is our, our huge opportunity. Yeah, um, I can agree more. Making it practical, making it actually applying it in day-to-day -day life, that's powerful. We've, we've had some customers talk to us. Um, we, we had a customer user group in not, not very long ago, and um, two or three of the parents, one, one started the conversation, two or three of them said they'd done exactly the same thing. They gave their kids a budget for Christmas presents. 
and and kind of said, you know, the parent would take care of most of them, but they needed to buy a present for their brother, a present for their dad, a present for somebody else, mm-hmm. and they had X pounds. Yeah. And they said the discussions that that triggered, because, you know, the kids were hugely excited, found something brilliant for dad that cost three quarters of the money. And then there was a great opportunity to have a conversation. Can you buy the other three presents with the two pounds you've got left? Ooh, maybe not, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> can, I, can I ask on that? So um, for, as, from a feature set perspective in terms of what's popular in your respective apps and what's not, mm-hmm. there's things like, um, and I've got a list down here, the things that I could think of, things like parental controls, which from the parent side obviously is quite important, goals and savings, tasks, things like that. What, what, what do you find is, uh, I guess, the most popular or the most used and actually generates the most debate between parents and children? And then, like, because there's, there's, as a remit in terms of where you can go with this, it's pretty broad from, you know, all the way from financial literacy and education all the way through to, as you said, just actually contextualizing something like a, a payment somewhere. So w- w- what it actually proves popular? So I think where you start is the product has to work for the family. So it's got to be easy wherever you are. You're busy as a parent. So you want to know that it works. It needs to be simple. And, and that ultimately is where your feature step conversations start your allowance gets allocated um for instance we split allowance so you know particularly us driven we have three pots spend save give um allocating that out putting controls on that all those sorts of things goals setting goals telling kids how they're doing um the notification systems built around that to trigger that so everyone knows where they are and you can start nudging it um those those tend to be the core conversation and then you layer on top and talking about different audiences you have different philosophies within different families my kids should earn their money through chores mm. discuss it's a massive discussion yeah, point, which causes what? a lot yeah, of yeah. like all Mom, our I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're not that old yet but they will yeah. be <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who passionately believe kids should be doing chores around the house anyway mm-hmm. because they're part of the family right right, right. and then and the there's another citizen. set yeah but absolutely. i think again if we're talking about creating that link and building those good um financial behaviors creating that association between doing work or mm-hmm. you know doing something that's perceived to be unpleasant and being rewarded for it and again starting that from a fairly young age again that's got to be pretty impactful right yeah and I, so you one Not thing coming down on one side or another <laughs> of what is clearly a very very I, th- I think on the on the on argument. the flip side um and we're quite careful uh, where we position ourselves we say as a product we are a framework and we provide a framework right. built around what you want yeah. and, and yeah. you build your feature set so some will apply interest so the average interest rate Paid on rooster money is nine percent by parents. That's a cool. That's a cool feature. I love that. When I read that, I, that's like that's awesome. Like teaching kids the value of interest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the interest rates will probably be a lot higher. I guess that you can currently get in the banks. But like that's that's an that's an awesome thing to be able to teach a kid like the value of saving uh, and what that actually what that transcends to in terms of you know you can put fifty p away and you get like twenty five. You could you know charge fifty percent interest. Yeah, and it? is, is, is awesome. that something they get? Because I think you know to now we've spoken a lot about. Um, sort of responsible spending and managing your money that way. But of course, another um, core part of what you guys are offering is the saving side. Hmm. Um, and, you know, how do you build those behaviors? And the, the interest point is a really good one. And, you know, we've talked um, a little bit about sort of gamification and that sort of stuff. But is that something that lands with children? Do, yeah, they, do they understand yeah. that? It, it, it absolutely does. We um, let the children set up the hmm. savings goals. It's, we actually sort of step back and say, hey, parents, 
let them do that, let them take the decisions and decide to set up the savings goals. And it's fab to see some of the things that they um, actually list as what they're saving up for. You know, you, you get the incredibly cute ones like mummy's birthday present. Um, but uh, there are some serious trainer holics out yep. there. Um, Starting early on and, like that. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, there really are. So at some, in, at some incredible no, prices exactly. as well. And uh, there are trips trips abroad there's saving up money for holiday there's um people who save it up to buy a horse you know it, it the different audiences those goals change but yeah sure of the, course the kids all use that and they can they can auto save towards it or they can move money across as and when they want to and uh, it's really interesting again to watch what happens and watch how the different groups and interact to watch the reaction that. if they then do overspend and can't put you know this week's contribution towards their horse or their limo or it's whatever a massive it is. achievement and talking about those nudges so some we produce something called a pocket money index which you can see on the roost money site and it sort of pulls in some insights about how families are using it and so you know lego is always the most safe for thing <laughs> if we're talking about goals they're putting right. forwards and then apple is another brand oh, yeah. um, they're really aspirational things too so you've got kids who go on okay i really want a mobile and the parents gone mm-hmm. okay you save for it so the average goal i think on rooster money is about 120 pounds at the moment when you're earning sort of uh, you know around four pounds a week that that that's that's great and and then they start going okay well what are the other ways that I can earn some money yeah, to yeah, contribute yeah. to that? Sure, then and you, this is where the chores come in, right? Or, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or the you know going out and and maybe it's it's hustling your grandparents a bit or whatever. <laughs> you, are, it is. you are literally That's, breeding a generation of entrepreneurs, like yeah. right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be and, and and savers. So this so we we have a specific savings pot. You can set interest rates. So um, part of the PMI is we look across three regions. So in the UK, on our last PMI, 29% of all the pocket money kids earned Mm. was put into their savings pot. They save it. In the US, 40%. That's very interesting. Which is awesome. Yeah, we we see exactly the same split between UK and US. Much, much higher savings percentages in the US. Still, but both of them are still pretty huge. When when you think about what the average adult sort of says, I think it's sort of something like, four percent perhaps less than that on the oecd thing so that's the great thing you can so going back to habit formation you know i guess classic near aisle so it would be 40 to 44 percent of what we do every day is put down to habits so if you can start those habits when they're seven yeah and you can build that then yeah you're not going to probably be able to save 40 percent of your income and put it towards savings realistically but you're in that mindset in the same way that we we see nudging towards earning, um, giving. So again, hot debate whether you should encourage that or not. But in the US, 14% of all pocket money on rooster money goes towards giving and charities. So we, we teamed up with Just Giving. It's, you know, again, you see these things build out. And if they're doing that now, then they're going to do it in the future. And it's interesting hearing Will say that. We watched where, obviously, see where money is going in the UK and saw that such a large proportion in the UK were giving to charities that we introduced giving as well. And uh, same thing, that the uh, the figures are considerable. So not just building better spending behaviours, better saving behaviours, but actually building out a sort of social understanding as well. Yeah, we, we, we try to talk about the four pillars of money management. And I think Will has, has mentioned 
those mm. earning, saving, spending, and giving. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the past, I've been asked the question, aren't you encouraging children to spend? No, we're encouraging children to learn about money. And, and yeah. let's face it, money gets spent. Sure. Some of it has to be earned. Some of it needs to be saved. Some of it might be given to good causes. And some of it will be spent. Mm. And they need to learn about spending and all the different ways of spending. Because otherwise, when they do finally uh, reach adulthood and have a salary... If they haven't learned how to spend online wisely or become a, a, an informed consumer, they're, they're going to make much, much bigger mistakes. Yeah, and no, I think adding to that, the particularly younger age group, look, you need to work with kids at the younger age group to get them focused on, on you know, what they want to do. A little bit of friction is a good thing. So in the same way that, you know, Bruce Money is a tracker, you ultimately have to have a conversation with your parent if you want to... Yes. get something and that friction when you're six seven eight is really important because it's it's you're basically getting you know doing a bit of consultancy and going i save for it you know shall yeah. i get it and you can have that conversation but, and it adds that, that extra element of context as well because as a parent i can say well yes you can get it but actually it's going to impact on your savings goal towards whatever it is in this way right i, I was going to say just off the back of that how important this is my WeWork card rather than a debit card. But if this is. was a debit card, how important is this? So you've obviously taken two approaches in terms of um, card, non-card. How important is it to give, uh, and at what age would you suggest potentially it is important to give a child a mechanism to pay? We clearly think yeah. that it, it is important because it's, it's part of our product. Um, again, the different age groups, there are different behaviours. So if you think about a six to eight-year-old, they're usually out with their parents. And we know that normally that card is probably in the parent's wallet because a six-year-old isn't carrying a wallet and, yep. or a handbag or, or anything like that. Once they transition to um, secondary school, so we're talking 11, 12-year-olds, a lot of them are taking the bus by themselves or walking to school by themselves and having the ability to spend is an important one and actually one, one of the transitions we see as as um, families join us is um, the amount of money that's loaded onto the go henry card uh, grows because parents will start to realize well actually i can give them their bus money or mm -hmm. i can give them their lunch mm -hmm. money or you know it, it, it increases so, yeah, we, we think spending is a key part of it. They, they learn about ATM usage. They learn about um, contactless and, and uh, pins and remembering their pins and not forgetting them all the time. Have you guys found that um, the debit card, I, I guess, because it's, it's probably quite novel, um, the age group that we're talking about, has it been um, used as a sort of acquisition tool? Or have you guys seen that at <laughs> yeah, all? Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah. I, I chuckle. We, we um, encourage people to send in pictures of their kids yeah. with their first card. And, and uh, if, you, if you go to our website and have a look, you'll see there's, there's lots of really funky designs. And the kids can personalize them yeah. with their name as well. So it's not go Henry, it's go sure. Izzy or go Ross or whatever they want, as long as it's not terribly rude. Yeah, go Ross. Um, <laughs> and uh, we get loads of videos sent in of kids um, who take our wonderful card pack that our marketing team have spent ages creating and sure. artworking. And uh, the information inside that the copywriters spent 
months working on and honing and refining and they rip the envelope open and they rip the card off the paperwork yeah. and they throw the paperwork over their shoulder it's like yay yeah. i've got my card because they're that excited and uh, yeah, the, the virality it's a, points important. it's a big thing for them well i'd say conversely obviously you you have uh, your apps more uh tracker yeah uh, again, how um, how or why, I suppose, if you traded off the ability to spend on a card versus what you've got them? Yeah. So I can give you a bit of background. And absolutely, I think that payments and payment cards are a key bit of it at the right age. Um, we started when, when, when we looked at this proposition, we said, okay, how early can you go? So that's my big thing is you can start really, really early going back to those stars. Um, how do you make that as accessible as possible? So we said, we want to have core free features that people can get into and start using it and building it. Because, you know, if you've got a five-year-old, you just want to focus on very simple feature sets. So again, we started there. We know that parents are out with their kids at the younger age group. And in fact, it, to be, like our, our user group runs up to 14 on the virtual tracker. We've got over half a million of them. So we know that there's traction on that. And we also know it's not just a kind of middle-class waitrose thing um, because we said, you know, in the same way that kind of Henry's gone um, to US, you know, we can take this to lots of different territories. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and I think that was a really important thing. And, you know, we've got, we've got kids in schools in um, Uganda. Um, we've got them in Vietnam. We've got, like, they're all using yes, it. And that's the great accessibility yeah. thing Because it's we universal, right? Like yeah. some, the majority of, I can imagine the jobs... If you run this in many, many countries, the, uh, the underlying jobs, maybe 60, 70% yeah. will be pretty similar. Sure. The, the principles are absolutely yeah. universal. If you, if you start to research where, which culture does not have some concept of pocket money or allowance, they are very, very few and far between. There's, there's no culture that says teaching your kids about money is bad. Um, there are definitely cultures where there is a taboo issue and, you know, World Bank spend a lot of time trying to break down those and they think that technology is the biggest enabler of that. So right. I think that's really important. So we kind of see it as a graduation curve. Yeah. You start with simple steps. You know, parents with three or four-year-olds, they might boost them a star. That's mm. our most regularly used feature. You earn the stars, then you can redeem them. Then you move them into a tracker. Then you can start getting the kids to think about more what they want to do. You can then layer on those additional functions. So whether it's interest, whether it's savings, giving, all those sorts of things, we let you choose however many pots you want, all those functional elements. And as I say, it's working towards the day when you go, okay, kids are ready to go out and buy things for themselves and I'm not with them. Yeah. <laughs> and mm. and that's that's the kind of the tipping point. So here's a here's a question for you. Is there a um and and I, I think I know what you're gonna say, but just going back to your um your your example of your daughter when she hit eighteen and she had to go over to a, a challenger bank or normal bank, is there not something or is somewhere within your companies that you've just thought actually, do you know what, we're amassing quite a big customer base at the moment? Um and bear in mind that the apps are relatively embryonic in terms of the lifespan of what you're doing versus, you know, the incumbent banks, et cetera, and services that they provide. Would you not just become a bank yourself? The uh, regulation around becoming a bank is uh, pretty heavy. Uh, it is something we've looked at and uh, continue to discuss. But uh, at the moment, we service up to 18. And, uh, and you know, as Will was saying as they get older, the, the requirement for that payment instrument, the card, is, is more and more required. 
but uh, no, for the moment, no. For the moment. For the moment. <laughs> and I'm a massive believer in doing one thing really, really well. Um, banks do products, um, not not all of them very well, but you know a lot of them do have good product. Um, we do four to fourteen, and that's we're specialists, and that's what we do when we drive engagement. We're about habit formation. We're about driving that engagement with the kids um and then i think that's that's really important is where where do you focus and i think this is also where banks trip up so you know we we are having and and have had lots of conversations with banks and they realize when they get to it going okay this this isn't just a case of having a different login Mm. this is a totally different experience and and once we built this app you know which costs x then we've got to service it. We've got yeah. to have the customer operations. We've got yeah. to think about all those, the data that we manage and the databases, and we've got to segregate all of that. And that's that's a new ball game for them. Mm. I, I think Will's absolutely right with that. That you know, a major difference is both of us, both both of our companies, we have built this for young people. Yeah, um, it's not a bank account dumbed down or yeah. made pink and. Fluffy no, of course. for, for I, kids. I, I and, think and for, that doesn't work. Well, from an order, doesn't from an, serve an, the need. An, an order perspective, you know, the idea of sort of being able to seamlessly manage a handoff into a full service bank account seems quite nice. The anarchist in me, though, loves the idea of you guys just unleashing these kind of sophisticated young consumers with great financial habits and the banks having to sort of scramble to serve them that to me you know, sounds you know, like me, you know when, when you run a long distance mm. race and you've got the pay setter up front mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me yeah. if, if it never just drops away you just mm. keep going and then the customers <laughs> just keep staying yeah. with you yeah. that's what it kind of reminds me yeah. of why just gone there yeah. um could happen all right i've got a great happen. idea for another podcast yeah. <laughs> you can get the banks on one side <laughs> yeah the graduates from the the pocket money apps on the other and get get them to pitch yeah. <laughs> get the banks to pitch their product. Yeah, David's listening. That's, this this could become a reality. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. I love that. that. Okay, be before really we move on, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This deal sets apart our brighter future. We will leave the EU. Clearly, the pressure is beginning. Produce jobs on the rules of the European Union. Brexit. Brexit. The more you hear about Brexit, the less clear it all becomes. When everyone else is shouting, listen. For the clarity behind the headlines, subscribe to the Financial Times. Visit ft.com. Calling all fintechs, banks, developers. Are you looking at ways to use new open APIs to create the next financial app? Are you looking to break into new markets, the USA in particular? Finastra and Microsoft are hosting the Fusion One Developer Conference in London on the 21st and 22nd of May 2019, down at Tobacco Dog. Join this free open finance developer conference to upskill and open APIs Understand how you can tap into Finastra's 8,000-strong client base with your apps and get hands-on technical walkthroughs with the platform and API experts. Register your place at Fusion One today online at fusionone.cloud. Join the open banking revolution because, after all, we're all innovators. Okay, welcome back to the show. So, guys... Um, moving on from there, do you guys feel that there's a responsibility to educate via the app? Do you, do you feel that quite keenly? 
I think our key um, ethos is, well, we, we say our mission statement is yeah. making kids good with money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what it's all about. It's, it's enabling financial literacy and, and teaching a key life skill. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it is the total reason that started Rooster Money. I used to work in advertising for banks and became very interested in uh, people's perception of risk, why they made decisions around products, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it came down to the fear around a decision, the confidence in making that decision. And actually something that you um, highlighted earlier, Ross, is actually the confidence in parents when they're talking to kids. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of sticks together around that. So, you know, building habit formation at early age is absolutely key and you ask parents when you dig into the insight they may go i give pocket money because all the friends at school give pocket money or it's a way that i can stop the kids badgering me Mm -hmm. about everything but why why do you do it why it's because i want to teach my kids the values i learned as a parent you know as a child or Mm. wished i'd learned as a child and and ultimately that you know that is their key aim Mm. and that so that decision making point um I think, you know, helping them make the decision almost from a different place, picking up on what you were saying. It's not about making a decision because you're afraid about not making the decision. It's about making it because you, you're confident because you have all of that information and you feel like you're making the right decision. You're making it in a way that's informed. Yeah. Do you know, Will, Will made a point earlier about uh, customers are, are not Waitrose um, affluent customers. Yeah. One of the things we, we've certainly seen is a huge amount of parents feeding back to us that, they were caught in the credit crunch. They made mistakes sure. in, in their lives with money and they absolutely do want to make sure that their kids do not fall into the same pitfalls. Which is an incredibly powerful kind of motivating it, it, tool. It absolutely is. It? And, and, you, you know, want to we, we, we know we have what a, they went through. We know we have a really wide demographic of parents. They're, they are not just affluent parents. It's more about mindset. It's more about they want their kids to grow up with these life skills. And what's really interesting within that is that obviously coming to you guys then to enable that, they know that that's not something they'll get from probably whoever they've banked with the parents. They know that that's probably not available, right? But it's it's more transactional, yeah. and that certainly serves a segment. But it, in the same way, getting into a pocket money routine as a parent's really hard. It's like getting into going to the gym. Mm-hmm. something i constantly failed at i take the membership <laughs> out and then because i don't have someone prodding me the whole time apart from my wife now to say go so and, and that's exactly the same thing so you can actually use technology like you can you know a, as an adult to give you the nudges and and it goes back to that and 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 i think that's you know that's a cool kind of driver and what i think is really interesting is um a whole bunch of research has come out in the US and UK around the fact that having conversations with your kids about money and doing point money changes the way that you manage finances. Mm. And I think it's definitely a truism. Like yeah. Again, as a parent, you suddenly start being a bit more responsible about certain things when you've got the kids around. And, <laughs> and that, that comes with money too. Um, but from a parent's perspective, because um, you've got to spend – I mean, the apps aren't free. They're not – prohibitively expensive but um We're, yeah we start free free so, yeah, yeah. It works out. um but i mean even even from that is there a decision like the decision point up front for a parent to say Do you know what i'm going to invest uh, both time and money into this um what, what do they i guess have to overcome in order to do that is it is it just um 
I suppose, like, what's the sales pitch to the parents? Do you have to, or is it just awareness, or how does it kind of, is it organic? A huge amount of our customers come from referrals. So it's other parents using um, using the service and, and telling their friends about it because because it works for them. And, and I'm sure the same will be the case in, in with uh, Will's business. Yeah, and, and, you know, particularly if you download an app and you try it and it's crap, you'll delete it. <laughs> yeah. But when you've told that your kids that they're getting their pocket money through it and you've set it all up and committed to that, it's it's a it's a different conversation and i think that comes a lot when parents look at anything when it involves their kids they go, okay it's not just the ease of your sign up process and activation mm. it's it's what impacts this going to yeah, have and, and is yeah. it worth my commitment and time and and that's where they really need the the validation yeah um, that's really interesting because you've like you've gone through a process where you've almost indoctrinated your kids into using this. And it's kind of like, if, if you then take it away, you set an expectation, which is then gone. And you don't really have, like on other apps, which you yourself would manage, you just don't have that because you've got complete autonomy to do what you want. But because this is, you know, you've, there's obviously another relationship there, which and, is dependent on it, solidifies it. And yeah. obviously the uh, key point for us is to make sure that it keeps working for that family. Yeah. You know, that that's a key driver for the product development is to make sure that it is working for them and that we listen to feedback from customers and, and keep developing feature sets and, and functionality that makes it an integral part of their family life. Yeah, it's it's quite funny when we we've grown quite a lot and bringing in um, brought in additional product managers, development, whatever, and they're like, cool, uh, you know. Then then you start talking about the scenarios. So you sign up, parent one who downloads the app and signs up. So you've, you've got them bought into it. They've then got to bring their kids on. They've also got to bring their their husband or wife on yep. too, and maybe the grandparents as well. So you've got to think about all those different journeys, how you're messaging it. What are you going to tell a four-year-old versus a 70-year-old yeah, granny? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. How do they use login yeah. or register, all those sorts of things? And and that that in itself becomes a, a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, that's super. From a product owner or head of product perspective, that's super interesting. That's like, uh, yeah, it's like Christmas come early in an app. <laughs> I just love the idea that we're bringing the whole extended family together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. No, absolutely. There, there are aunts, uncles, family, yeah. friends, brothers, sisters, and, and that goes back on a practical level. But I don't know in, in advertising, we always talk about you know you don't just put one ad out. No. You think about the whole series and 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 all the touch points. And it's the same with financial education because if you you manage to get the parents and the kids all talking about it mm. and gran who's looking after them on a wednesday afternoon yeah then suddenly you've got this big dynamic and everyone's working towards the same thing and that's really cool and it's also a lot of parents don't think about how much money they give their kids until they start collating it suddenly sure. there's yeah. this aha uh, moment of like okay i've added all those fibers i've deducted all the things that's coming out and suddenly they understand okay I can now see what I'm giving them and that's a massive opportunity and I can see what the grandparents are giving and when one of them takes them out on a Saturday they also know what the other's done yeah yeah and that, mm -hmm. that dynamic's really cool you can't cool. get played by your kid anymore <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh they'll always find a way <laughs> but educating nice. educating on the parental side as well probably yeah. not as um, I guess emphatic but still a nice a nice side benefit what conversation do you guys having with uh, the regulator? I mean, they must be pretty supportive of enhanced financial literacy from a young age. 
Yes, very supportive, and 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 the schemes too. You know, Visa and Mastercard are very right. very keen to to support uh, what what we're doing. Um, there aren't really specific financial regulations around the under eighteen space, um, so the, there's no particular thing there that we have to t- take into consideration. But um, yeah, I, I mean, sort of regulatory wise, because I guess because of the countries we run in. Most of the regulators are very focused on financial education because ticky, you know, payday loans, um, all those mm. sorts of things. And actually what we're seeing with AML, KYC, a lot of people don't un- even understand those, mm. those challenges. So they're starting to focus on that. And certainly conversations that we have, um, banks have come to us and said, well, what do we do mm. around this? Because I think that is something that they are starting to see pressure on from their side now obviously at the moment we're, we're not a regulated entity ourselves hence why we can be in so many countries right um but but then you start talking to all the individual regulators anyway and what's great to see is there is that push there's a government push so they they're funded by banks they're doing a lot around this um i, I think that 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 kind of that push needs to happen and also, they've identified that, you know, in a school, there are some amazing charities and organizations doing workshops in schools. And mm. that's the same in the US, UK, Australia. Um, but in terms of the, the reach that you can have, mm. you can only do so many workshops. You know, we say there's only so much time in the day and, mm. and, and timetables to do that. And from a unit cost point of view yeah. and the spread of what we can do and the speed that you can grow, you can do that across, you know, so many things. So I think there's, there's, there's a lot more interest in this area as a result. Um, and I, I, there are banks out there doing it. So I think um, ComBank in Australia, yeah. they've got Dolomites, which has run forever um, and, you know, has been very successful. But I think, you know, they've had challenges themselves because being the guy who pushes product and being a financial educator are not complementary. No. And you, you know, it's it's like editorial and the advertising teams, you know, and, and how they deal with that in in, yeah. in media. Yeah. And and I think that's that's one of the other challenges that they're trying to work out. So is that a business mo- model challenge essentially? Because um, it's very difficult to teach responsible financial behaviors if your core revenue stream is pushing unsecured credit products like credit cards or, you know, I mean, can we potentially flip that? And instead of encouraging customers or sort of ushering them down the road of unsecured credit products, why not look at, you know, interest bearing savings products and taking a cut of the interest or, ices or investment products i mean is that something that we could move towards and then those two things become slightly more analogous yeah i, look, I think those need to be a core cool part of apps yeah. and I, I think you definitely see that if you're looking at monzo or starling or any of those guys that's mm. you know gambling and controlling that again they're working on that and and but what you've got to be careful of is when you are dealing with younger kids yes. and what do you do as a parent what are you doing are you educating my kids or are you doing something else? And I think that's that's yeah. Are you educating? Are you pushing product? It, I, th- I think it's yeah. a, it's a difficulty for certainly some of the banks um, who there are a number of them who who go into the schools and yeah. um, 
give workshops or provide information and there has to always be that question at the back of people's minds of well hang on a minute is this a brand awareness exercise or is this purely i think um, there is that question it's it's almost seen as cynical hmm. in by, by by a lot of people so then one thing i'm keen to sort of get you guys thoughts on is uh, how does that play out in terms of lifetime banking i mean if we well, I mean, we kind of said that maybe some of the bigger banks, there's a cynicism around it. Whereas the Monzo example, maybe we're starting to think that actually these guys perhaps have my best interests at heart as a consumer more. Um, are we going to see a, a sort of increase in people actually shifting away because the propositions are that a little bit more different? From their traditional bank? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I left my bank that I've been with when I signed up. You know, I, I went into the... Lloyd's branch of Church Stretton and sat down with a manager. <laughs> like they literally, it was delightfully old school. I gave up because the authentication when I got there at was a nightmare. Yeah. And, and then you start, as you say, you get a live feed of like, this is what's going to come out of your account tomorrow and all those sorts of things. So it will be technology led. Um, but I think, you know, that will naturally happen in some ways, but equally with Monzo, will people move away from Monzo? Sure. It, yeah. You know, depends what, what technology is happening. What's the next iteration, the next evolution? Yeah. Um, and that brings me on to find my final question, which is what's coming next for both you guys? What's coming down the line? So we're growing at a huge rate of knots at the moment. We launched in the US um, almost exactly one year ago. And uh, we're very soon going to go over the three quarters of a million active paying customers. It's a so, mega uh, milestone. It, it's growing super fast. Yeah. So more of the same. Congratulations. And it speaks to the, the level of demand that's out there for this type of app as well. Will? Yeah. We're, so similar, Roost Money's growing very quickly across a number of markets, um, US, UK and Australia. Um, and we've got some interesting features coming up that we're bringing out. Um, teaser. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, otherwise focusing on, on just building a great product. Awesome, guys. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. And um, I wish you guys every continued success. Thank you. Thanks. And that wraps up today's discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and your companies? Let's start with you, Louise. Uh, very easy. Go online, gohenry.com. Succinct. I like it. Well, likewise, you can find us at roostermoney.com or on Twitter as roostermoneyhq. Excellent. And add? By virtue of listening to this podcast, you already have. Uh, <laughs> how about that for an answer? Wow. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that. How long have you one. been thinking about that one? Uh, a little bit. Um, uh, 11FS website. Excellent. Rock-com. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening. If you like what you've heard, please do subscribe and drop us a review on iTunes. We really do love reading those reviews. That's all for this week. 